Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week, my producer Miranda and I explore the top stories making waves in the news, and some that are just plain interesting. We connect you with the journalists and people who know the story, and bring you news without the noise, so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, we will be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. I remember seeing a lot of stories about people taking their pets to these grooming services and things going very wrong. A lot of the allegations centered around uh, PetSmart. People would take their pets to PetSmart, they'd get groomed there, and then they, when they get their pet back, there was problems, breathing problems, something like that. And shortly thereafter, dogs were dying. So much so that NJ.com did a nine-month investigation into a lot of these allegations. We spoke to Sophie Nieto-Munoz and Alex Napoliello, they're reporters for NJ.com. They did an exhaustive investigation. They talked to former and current employees of PetSmart. They got statements from PetSmart officials, and they talked to the owners of these pets for their stories and how things went down. So, so let's get into this investigation they did. It's called Groomed Then Gone. Here's Sophie and Alex, and we started off by talking about how this investigation all got started. Our story was prompted after a dog named Scruffles died in the Flemington Pet Smart, which is in West New Jersey. And after that, you know, this woman, the owner of Scruffles, she started her own Facebook page. We saw people sharing their own stories, so we decided no one's keeping track of how many dogs are really dying And we decided to kind of do a deeper dive into why this might be happening and just how many dogs have died and if there are any regulations or if there is any transparency. So that's kind of how we started and we ended with 47 dogs died across 14 states since 2008 during or shortly after groomings at PetSmart. And most of those occurred after the start of 2015. So in the last three years, at least. So these are a little more current than the full slate of it, which, as you said, goes back to 2008. What did we find out? I know you guys started with some key findings. Let's start there and then we'll kind of go into some of the details after that. Some of the former employees that we spoke to uh, alleged uh, PetSmart's grooming training, which they tout as the industry's very best, fell short of what was advertised. So some of the people we spoke to said they saw unprepared trainees rushed into the stores. The managers weren't always looking over their shoulder when they were still getting training. We had one former employee who told us she got a training booklet where she had to do 200 dogs and a manager had to sign off on that and that basically uh, she didn't complete all 200 and that she was rushed through the training. We also found instances of PetSmart having owners sign non-disclosure agreements that required them to delete social media posts and negative comments about some of their experiences with PetSmart. And lastly, we found that there is very little oversight of this industry because there is no state requires all individual groomers to be certified. So there's no central agency that would have the statistics on how many dogs die on an annual basis. And most of the dogs that were affected by this were like English bulldogs, similar breeds, the ones that have short noses and smush faces. They're known to have breathing problems. And a lot of them that were in your investigation ended up being those kinds of dogs. Those kinds of dogs are called brachycephalic dogs, and they accounted for 20 of the 47 deaths. So they get stressed out more, and they're more prone to like respiratory distress in very hot areas or very stressful environments. 
You mentioned the training. Obviously, it's a touchy issue when you take your dog in there, they you think they're doing fine, and then you they leave the grooming facility and then they die. Obviously, you're going to point fingers at the last thing that they went through, which was the grooming. But PetSmart employees, they go through a pretty intensive training. As you said, they might, might fall a little short, but it's supposed to last about 14 months. That's a long time. What do they have to do for their training usually? They go through this 800-hour training process, and it's broken up into four parts. They start off as bathers most of the time, unless they're experienced groomers. They will start off as bathers, and they'll do uh, 125 dogs or about three months. And then they go to this grooming academy, which is four weeks. Monday through Friday, they go to another PetSmart store, and they learn from an experienced groomer, start grooming dogs, learn basic anatomy, and then they come back into the stores after that and they have to groom 200 dogs before they're certified pet smart pet stylist, they're called. That's their grooming process. I mean, that's pretty intensive. It, you know, presumably at the end of that, you should expect that they know how to handle a dog, uh, even dogs in tough cases. So let's go back to some of the the stories that you have. You, you guys spoke to a lot of people. You spoke to about 22 former and current employees. You spoke to a lot of pet owners who went through this. One that struck me right away, obviously you start the story that way, was with Nick Pompilio and his English bulldog Capone. He went in for a 15-minute appointment. It should have been. It lasted more than an hour. When they brought him out, they had to put him in a shopping cart and wheel him out to the cart. At that point, I'm like, what's going on with my dog? You know, I'm not going to take him home right away. It's like there seems to be a problem right away. Nick Pamilio, he loved Capone, but he brought him in for the nail clipping. It was supposed to be 15 minutes. He had brought him there before, took about an hour, and the dog came out and its back legs were kind of weak and it just blotted out on the floor. He just didn't put two and two together. You know, I think that one of the problems that we might have found or, or something that owners say is that they assume that their dog is tired or just anxious, and I, that might have been what he assumed. But he did turn around really quickly once he realized that there may have been a deeper problem going on. He went back for help, but unfortunately, it was too late for Capone. What has PetSmart done in reaction to this investigation and to all this news? Because I know it was drumming up on social media. People were starting to form groups and get the awareness out there. What has PetSmart's reaction been to this? In February, the company, as we were doing this investigation, the company announced it would complete broader assessments of pets at check-in. So they would do a better job of looking for some of these signs. And if they saw a combination of lethargy, excessive panning, trembling, shaking, eye redness, that they wouldn't groom the dog. So they also announced that some breeds like the brachycephalic dogs could only receive express groomings. So what that means is a groomer would only handle this dog from start to finish without any interruptions. They also said that they would install cameras in the grooming areas by uh, August 2019. So that's every grooming salon that they run. And they also held an open house this past Sunday where they allowed customers to take a tour through the grooming areas. Let's start connecting a lot of the dots in this because this is, a, you know, a wide ranging, as I said, nine month investigation. There's a lot of parts to this. A lot of people said that things started going downhill in the grooming section after new ownership of PetSmart. And they started prioritizing the amount of dogs you had to groom in a day. They were trying to increase the numbers that a groomer would go through, uh, you know, in any eight hour period. PetSmart was bought out by a private equity firm in 2015. So a lot of groomers say that that's when a lot of the changes happened and there was this intense pressure to grow profits. There was always this quota of doing dogs and, and getting add-ons or you know, trying to increase the price of a grooming because that's a pretty normal business practice. 
but we talked to groomers who said that once the pressure came down from this new owner, I mean, it was so bad that some of them had to quit. And the conditions there, I read in the story, you know, some people pointing towards these drying cages, especially with these short-nosed dogs, you know, they have difficulty breathing if they're in a hot cage for a lot of time, the stress can build up also. Breathing problems can happen. People, uh, you know, what's the condition of these facilities like? I know they're not letting a lot of people in to see them, and they're changing that more recently. What do these facilities look like? I went to four different stores in Jersey, and I wasn't allowed to tour any of them. We know that there are some type of kennel cages in the back because dogs have to wait somewhere. And that's also where these cage dryers are. But we also didn't find anything that explicitly says these dogs are dying from being in the cage dryers or from being stressed out. And it's really hard to figure out why they're actually dying because the autopsies for dogs, they're really speculative. It leaves owners pointing fingers and it leaves everyone pointing fingers because they don't really have a cause of death there like a human autopsy would. There's also this notion that dogs are property so the financial gains in, in some of this stuff to proceed with lawsuits and things like that, they're not really there. A lot of these people that you spoke to also, PetSmart offered them these non-disclosure, assign this non-disclosure agreement, we'll pay you for this also. But a lot of them refused it. They didn't want to go through that. Some of the people we spoke to said it was more about principle than the money. So they wanted to bring awareness and to let other people know that this does happen and that they should be careful and know this information. The attorneys, basically, if they take these cases, they take them pro bono. They're, like you said, there's not a lot of money in it because dogs are seen as property. There's not a lot of financial incentive. So e even the attorneys that do take these cases, they take them because they can care about the animals and the well-being of the of the pets. What should pet owners do? How should they pre-screen a groomer or something like that before they leave their pets there? One of the groomers we spoke to said you should interview your groomer like you should interview your nanny, especially because so many people nowadays see their pets as family members or, or as their kids. So one of the first things that these experienced groomers told us people should be looking out for is if the groomer has a certificate or some type of grooming education. So because it's not required, if someone took that extra step to go be certified or get some type of background education, what, ask them what their background is, that means that they clearly care about what's going on. You know, ask them where they were trained, how long they've been doing this, and also ask about the specific grooming process. So how long is the grooming going to take? Do they groom straight through or do they give the dog a break? Do they kennel dry the dog or cage dry the dog or do they towel dry it or do they just let the dog air dry? And also you want to ask how they maintain their equipment. So if the bristles of their brushes don't look like they've been maintained, that could be a sign. If their combs are all crooked, that could be another sign. Also, if they use something like some type of animal-specific disinfectant, you should really be aware that you're in a clean, relatively clean environment. I am, It is a grooming facility, so there's going to be dog hair everywhere. But there shouldn't be like this pungent smell, you know? So these are some things that... that dog owners should really keep in mind when they're when they're looking for groomers. Yeah, and a lot of this is put on the pet owners themselves. I mean, you have to go through this stuff because if you want greater accountability in this sector, you would have to go through legal regulations and a lot of other steps to, you know, be able to hold places like PetSmart accountable. What's been the overall reaction you've guys gotten to this investigation? 
I think the reaction has been pretty positive, but also if you look at our email inboxes and some of the comments on the social media channels that we've shared the article on, there are other people who are sharing their experiences at uh, PetSmart and most of those experiences aren't positive. So we've had other people contact us saying they have similar stories to share. And then there's the the legislators who who want to get some bills passed to uh, regulate this industry. Sophie Nieto Munoz, Alex Napoliello, reporters for NJ.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. My favorite story of the week has to do with the new helicopter parents of 2018. They're called lawnmower parents because they mow down all the adversity that your children could go through. And it makes you ill-equipped to be a, a really good adult. So to talk about this story, we talked to Justin Warsham. He's the host of the Dad Podcast. We started off talking about what he does on the Dad Podcast and then get all into the lawnmower parents. So the Dad Podcast is a internet radio show for parents who feel like they aren't of the mindset of where everything is puppies, kittens, and rainbows. We talk about the struggles. We talk about the pain. I have comedic guests on who talk about their struggles as parents. And then I also have experts who come on and inform the listeners and let them feel a little bit better about their parental struggles. That's great. So it's not just you rambling off about how much your kids are rascals. And it's whatnot. 90% that, but we also throw some information. <laughs> no, yeah, it's a fair split. Lawnmower parents. There's all sorts of classifications. Uh, you can be a helicopter parent, a free range parent, tiger parents. But the lawnmower one is the new one. What is that? We'll build on it from the helicopter reference because that's what they did is helicopter parents are parents who were just always there, right? They're always around. They're involved in everything that their kid is doing. The difference between a lawnmower parent and a helicopter parent is that a lawnmower parent is there and their entire purpose is to try to clear a path and make things easy for their kid to do. This came from a viral post that was made by a teacher group, weareteachers.com. Somebody made a post and described a scene that happened. She said she was doing prep work for her class. She got a call from the front office said, hey, pick something up for so-and-so student. And she's like, all right, it's probably lunch money, an inhaler, something that they critically need. And it ended up being a water bottle that the dad said, my daughter kept texting me, like, I need this bottle. I need this bottle. And he was dressed in a suit, ready to go to work, assumably, and he had to drop it off. So the daughter had her special water, despite there being water fountains all over the school. Right. And then they started getting comments from other people. My favorite story was that somebody that shared a story that a parent asked somebody at the school to be made available to blow <laughs> on their child's hot lunch yes. so that it would cool off faster. That's something that you should be teaching your kids when you're sitting down to dinner. It's parents crazy that we're breaking it down, right? right that you're right. saying, well, this is how you do it because yeah. this, I, I remember my parents doing that. Right. Yeah. But it's, it shouldn't even be a topic of conversation. Now, here's the thing. I will be the first to admit that I understand the intuitive nature of trying to make things easy to protect your kid. The thing that I am learning from not only just my own experiences, but the experts that I talk to on my show is that for some reason, I don't understand why yet, the more you work to make things easier for your kids, the harder adulthood becomes for them, that they don't understand what it takes to deal with negative. They're already finding there are studies that found that infants that are exposed to tablets struggle as they get older with dealing with the negative experiences and negative emotions because they have constantly been pacified. And when you look at it from just a purely biological, take psychology out of it, a biological standpoint, when your brain does not know how to deal with just being bored, 
there's always something available in our technological world to distract me from whatever negative experience I may be experiencing, that how can you learn to, pr- those neurons don't fire. They don't right. strengthen it. To me, it's the same thing as why we had to do a hundred multiplication problems, right? To learn your multiplication. Like you had yeah. to get the reps of doing that. Now it's as easy as flipping your phone open and your calculator is there. And Correct. Like so with lawnmower parents, just to kind of end this part of the conversation, what advice would you give to a parent who feels like they're doing this? Like, I want to give my kid everything. I want them to have a happy life. I don't want them to feel struggles and pains. What would you say to them if they're struggling with this? Like, I do this too much and I don't want to do this. If their kid is like below four or five-ish, you could just start to make a shift and just reset boundaries because they're just going to follow along. If you're dealing with a kid who's closer to like eight, 10, maybe preteen, then you need to have a sit down with them and say, listen, things are changing because I don't like the way that this is going and just shoot straight with them because they get it. The kids are very adaptable. In fact, I've talked to a therapist on my show where he said that children are adaptable to a flaw, like even children that exist in abuse. They just adapt to that and accept it. And we think that kids can't handle things. And it's just not true, especially when you're calm and cool and collected and you sit down and go, listen, this is how it's going to be. But when you set that expectation, don't move that bar. It has to stay there because their whole wiring is going to be to try to move it, try to see how far past it they can go. And the more you just stay there and you're going to lose it, right? You're going to lose your your temper. That happens too. even the experts say it happens to the best of us. It's all about how you deal with it afterwards. You don't always have to apologize. You're not always in the wrong. If they did something wrong, tell them what they did wrong. And if you're dealing with with a teenager, it's going to be a bigger struggle. But it's uh, to me, it's that much more important because they're about to leave the nest, hopefully, and build their own life. And so you got to say, listen, you need to start doing your own laundry. You're going to make your own plate and you're going to start doing the dishes and start helping out around the house, being a part of this community. And they're going to push back. But you just say, if you don't like it, then you're going to lose these privileges. That's that's my advice. Yeah. That's the way I would do it. Be tough with them and be very communicative. All right. That's great. Uh, Justin with thedadpodcast.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. That's some really good advice coming from Justin. And I tend to agree with it a lot. I'm not a parent yet, but I often imagine what I would do in that situation. Miranda, my producer, you're joining us again here. Hello. You're a parent right now. You have a young daughter. What do you think of this whole notion of lawnmower parents? She's almost two. So a lot of this stuff he was saying, it seems like it applies to older kids, but I was able to recognize some patterns in my parenting style and behavior that I didn't like once I heard how they can potentially affect the kids when they get older. Cause it's so easy to hand her the phone so she can look at pictures of dogs while we're in the restaurant, right. you know? Uh, so since we heard this interview earlier in the week, I have changed my parenting style and I do limit her iPad time. And I switched her off the bottles already into sippy cups now. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest problems that parents face across time, right? How to control your kid in a public setting. You don't want to be embarrassing. You don't want to hit your kid and, you know, <laughs> to take the ire of other people. You know, it's a complicated thing when you need to discipline a child in public and giving them these phones and iPads is like a thing to smooth that away. So I know that's one of the things that is vexing for a lot of parents. But do you see yourself possibly becoming a lawnmower parent where you're taking all these challenges away from her. I really don't because outside of hand her the phone to keep her quiet in a public place, I really do let her be her own person. We'll check back with you next year and see what kind (laughs) of parent you are then. Thanks, Oscar. Thanks, Miranda. All right, that's it for us this weekend. Be sure to check out The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. 
leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive Weekend Edition.